0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Phenomenal Fan Podcast, episode 38. My name is Ryan. I will be hosting the episode for you guys today. And boy, do we have a good one. We got a great episode for you guys today. Football, man, it's just so good. The entertainment value value is so good. It's so, so good. NFL week two was so exciting. There were so many great things that come out of NFL week two. College football week three, not quite as exciting, but still some great storylines to talk about there. Bryson DeChambeau is borderline intolerable to watch. Most people know why, but if not, we'll get into it. Somebody needs to explain to me why it still is not drilled into the NFL and college football, any football players heads to just hold on to the ball. When you cross the goal line, stop punching people when they're wearing football helmets and As a biased Alabama fan, we need to put some respect on Alabama quarterbacks. I'm just saying. By the way, baseball playoffs are about two weeks away. Pujols is going for 700. Aaron Judge is going for the American League record in home runs. So much to talk about, guys. So let's just stick around for the episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. And let's get into episode 38 of the Phenomenal Fan Podcast.
1: The Phenomenal Fan Podcast, a podcast by the fan for the fan.
0: Like I said, guys, got a great episode for you. So excited. So excited. So excited. Can't wait to talk about it. (sighs) Man, what a slate of games in the NFL. What a slate. I mean, we start the week off on Thursday night with Chiefs at Chargers at Chiefs in Kansas City. Arguably, arguably the two best quarterbacks in the AFC. Arguably in some people's eyes. Okay, Herbert Mahomes, Chargers are, were 1-0, Chiefs were 1-0, man, it was just a matchup of just extremely talented teams and extremely talented quarterbacks. All in all, the Chiefs take it 27-24 to over the Chargers, man, Herbert ended up throwing a pick six in the fourth quarter of that game, uh, it was like a 90-yard pick six, tough, okay, tough, but... Chiefs win. Are the Chargers going to be fine? Yes. On Sunday, we had a massive amount of, I guess you could say underdogs or just teams with low win totals coming out on top, right? Guys like, or teams like the New York Jets taking down the Browns 31 to 30 in a dramatic comeback. The Jets get a touchdown and they're down by six. They kick an onside kick, recover the onside kick, which is borderline impossible. And then go on to score another touchdown, kick the extra point and win the game 31 to 30 over the Cleveland Browns. The lions, again, another low win total team. They take down the Washington commanders, 36, 27. Uh, some people who don't know or hadn't been keeping track or weren't aware of Amon Ross St. Brown, receiver for the Detroit Lions, uh lock in. Amon Ross St. Brown, you guys want to hear his fucking stats this year? This season, he's got 20 17 and this is two games, by the way.
1: In t- on 24
0: targets. So he's getting targeted 12 times a game. 180 yards and three-touch. I'm just saying, I'm on our St. Brown. And the guy can play a little bit of foos. Saints and Bucks. Bucks beat the Saints. I think the Saints kind of played into the hype a little bit too much. They were 1-0 coming into the game. Jameis Winston. The guy was hot last year before he got hurt. People are sitting there going... Oh, these guys, you know, they're the sleepers. They're the they're the team the Bucks had never beat the Saints with Tom Brady in the regular season and they do it. 20 to 10. Another team that low win total. Giants take down the Panthers. The New York Football Giants are 2 and
1: 0. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I'll tell you who. Not me. couple other low scoring games. Patriots beat the Steelers
0: 17 to 14. 49ers beat the Seahawks 27 to 7. Cowboys beat the Bengals 20 to 17. We'll get into the Bengals here in just a second. Another low win total team though, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh the Jags take down the Colts 24 to nothing.
1: Uh hey Hey, Colts? Is anybody home? Uh, Knock, knock. The season's here. Hello? You guys ready to go? You drop a game against the Jags and you get shut out
0: with a guy like Jonathan Taylor in the backfield who led the league in touchdowns and rushing yards last year. How does that happen? You you, You tie with the Houston Texans in the first week of the season. It's time to wake up
1: if you're in Indianapolis. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself not in the playoffs with some
0: superstar players like Jonathan Taylor, rising star Michael Pittman,
1: the best offensive line in football, and Matt Ryan at the helm. Heads up, Colts. It's time to go.
0: The Rams beat the Falcons 31-27. Rams improved to 1-1. and I think one thing about this Rams team, okay? You give up 27 to the Atlanta Falcons. One thing's for sure, and that's Cooper Cup is very good. He had two touchdowns. He had 108 receiving yards. He's a great receiver, okay? But the Rams, I think... I think the LA Rams are a little bit too flashy for their own good. I think they're just a little bit too celebrity LA lacking in a lot of categories that would allow for them to have the success that they found last year. Right. You got Matt Stafford. He's dealing with a little bit of elbow injuries. You got, uh, you know, kind of some question marks in the backfield with Cam Akers not being able to run that well. You give up 27 points to the Atlanta Falcons and Marcus
1: Mariota. I mean, listen, Mariota didn't play. When you're getting out gained in the rushing yards category against the Atlanta Falcons. If you're sitting there, I, I I don't know. I don't know. You look at some of the stuff in this game,
0: man. The Rams had 337 yards of uh, total offense. The Falcons had 261. It's a pretty big discrepancy. It's about 70-ish, 70 yards.
1: And yet they won by four points, giving up 17 in the fourth quarter. I don't think the Rams are going to miss the postseason. But what I do think is that they are a little bit too flashy. We'll get in the postseason as a wildcard team, but...
0: They're too flashy. They play a team like the Buffalo Bills, who are fundamentally sound and obviously a dominant team in week one and get their doors blown off. Then they play the Falcons in week two and only beat them by four points when they're 10-point favorites. I think the Rams will be okay, but if they don't clean it up a little bit, they don't hold on to the football a little bit more, they don't practice contain on defense with some outside runs, some pot plays, the Rams could find themselves battling for a playoff spot at the end of the season. That's all I'm saying. Super Bowl champs to barely getting in. Not the best look. Mention the 49ers beating the Seahawks 27-7. Seahawks, I mean, I don't know, man. It's Listen, the 49ers lose Trey Lance. Trey Lance goes out for the year. I personally think... The 49ers are going to win more games now with Jimmy Garoppolo than they did or I think the I think the 49ers are going to win more games with Jimmy Garoppolo now than they would have if Trey Lance would have played the full season. I'm for some reason, people seem to forget that the 49ers got to the NFC Championship last year with Jimmy Garoppolo. Hello. And then all of a sudden he comes in this year. They're like, well, we're going to move on. Because he's not super flashy at quarterback. He's not making all the superstar throws. He can't run very well. But like, so what? The guy wins. And for them to keep him, but then start Trey Lance over him, I thought was a mistake. Now, all all well wishes and, and thoughts go to Trey Lance and his ankle injury. It was a terrible injury if you guys didn't see it. Hoping for a speedy recovery, but he's done for the year. Nevertheless, Jimmy G stepping in for the Niners. And now I think the Niners are going to make the playoffs, but I thought they weren't going to make the playoffs. If Trey Lance is going to be starting all year, that's all I'm saying, man, keep an eye out for the 49ers this year.
1: Cowboys beat the Bengals. How I, I really, really, I, I, I need to know how. Cooper Rush goes 19 for 31, 235 yards. One touchdown pass. But they beat the Bengals 20 to 17. Joe Burrow has gotten sacked. Okay.
0: Joe Burrow has gotten sacked 13 times this year.
1: 13 times in two games. I think the Bengals will be...
0: The Bengals will have the biggest swap from the success they had last year to the failures they're going to have this year. Last year... Simply speaking, last year, the Bengals got really hot towards the end of the year. Joe Burrow was unstoppable. Jamar Chase was an amazing, amazing target for him. Joe Mixon ran the ball well. And their defense stepped up and played at a super high level. I don't care how good your defense is. I don't care how good your quarterback is or your receiving core or your weapons. If the quarterback can't stay upright, it don't matter. They have 13 sacks. They've given up 13 sacks this year on Joe Burrow. 13 sacks in two games. Six and a half sacks a game. You guys probably remember last year when they played the Titans and miraculously beat them. And Joe Burrow got sacked nine times, making it the most sacks ever given up by a team that's also won a playoff game in the history of the NFL. Now, can you win giving up some sacks? Yes, clearly. The Bengals got to the Super Bowl last year. But they came up short because at the end of the day, the offensive line is not where it needs to be. If you want to win in the NFL... You have to have a good offensive line, or good enough offensive line. I think the Bengals missed the playoffs. And since 2020, with the expanded playoffs, no team that started 0-2 has made the postseason. Bengals are 0-2. Just saying. Sunday night football, Packers beat the Bears. Packers just fucked on the Bears. I, I, like, just fucked on the Bears. Aaron Rodgers is great. Aaron Jones is great. Sammy Watkins had a pretty big game uh, for Green Bay. Three catches for 93 yards. Uh, Bears will never beat the Packers in- unless Aaron Rodgers retires. Packers and Bears both
1: 1-1. The Cardinals beat the Raiders 29-23. to Okay. No big deal. Wrong. The Raiders were winning that game in the fourth quarter Raiders are winning that game 23 to 7 The Cardinals the
0: Cardinals are down by 16 points and they score a touchdown with 3 minutes left and get the ex- the two-point conversion then they get the ball back go down the field in 4 minutes on an 18-play drive and score another touchdown and get another two-point conversion.
1: Kyler Murray is running around the field like fucking Hezbollah. And then they go to overtime. The Cardinals get the ball. Don't score. The Raiders get the ball. Hunter Henry fumbles not once
0: but twice, and scoops it up. They get, it gets scooped up uh, by the Cardinals for a house call, and they win the game in overtime. So before we get into the crossing of the goal line stuff, man, I mean, Raiders, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? You play the Chargers last week and you lose. Okay, I get it. Chargers are a good team, man. Cardinals are an okay team, but how do you blow 16 in the fourth? 16 in the 4th, and in overtime, you fumble twice. Dude, God, it's bad. It's really bad. Monday night football. Two games on the slot. Bills and Titans, Eagles and Vikings. On Monday night, the Bills beat the Titans 41-7.
1: And I don't know if this is an exaggeration Or if this is
0: an accurate statement, some people will see both sides. I don't know if this is the most ridiculous
1: thing I'm ever about to say, or if this is legit. But the buff, I don't know. I can't say it.
0: I can't say it. I don't think I can because it's no. This, this might sound like the craziest thing anybody's ever heard, and some people might actually agree with this, but I think the Buffalo Bills this season have the potential to go down as the greatest NFL team ever assembled. Will they go undefeated? Probably not. It's almost impossible to do it. But if the Bills go undefeated and win the entire season, all the way through, go 17-0, win three games in the playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I simply
1: cannot believe how good they are. I cannot believe it. I can't believe it. Josh Allen is unbelievable. Their
0: defense is unbelievable. Their pass rush is amazing. Their DBs are amazing. Their receivers are amazing. The only part where they may be lacking is a running back. And Devin Singletary is just not bad. They just don't run the ball very much. If they ran the ball and split evenly. They'd be fine. Still would be a dominant team. And guess what? They don't really need to run the ball because Josh Allen is so so good he is so good at football he's the best quarterback in the entire nfl and i will stand by that so if we look back on this in february and the bills win the super bowl and we go wow what a season i think there's going to be conversations about them being the greatest nfl team ever assembled statistically speaking that's all i'm saying okay The other Monday night game, Eagles and Vikings, okay? Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback if he never played on Thursday night, Sunday night, or Monday night. His primetime numbers make me want to throw up out of my eyeballs. But his Sunday regular season, you know, regular slot, his, his Sunday regular slot numbers, guy's at MVP. But unfortunately, they played on Monday night last night and the Eagles pulled out their teeth. Eagles destroyed the Vikings and Kirk Cousins played like dog shit. So, little uh maybe betting advice or just rooting advice for Vikings fans. If you're a Vikings fan and you find out your team's playing in a primetime slot, I promise just don't even tune in cuz Kirk Cousins is going to choke hard. On the flip side, On the flip side of the Eagles-Vikings beatdown, I think Monday night showed that the Philadelphia Eagles might be the best team in the NFC. I mean, their defense is great. Darius Slight played his eyes out the other day. Dominated. Had two picks, almost three. Jalen Hurts, man. When this season's all said and done, I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Hurts finds himself in the MVP conversation. At this point in the season, Jalen Hurts might be the front runner. I'm just saying, man. The last game of this uh, slate we wanted to talk about quickly was Dolphins Ravens, which was just an absolutely unbelievable football game. The Ra- Dolphins beat the Ravens 42-38. to 38. The Ravens' defense disappeared. Uh, the Dolphins scored four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Tua Loa was 36 for 50 with 469 yards and six touchdowns. Six touchdowns. He passed for six touchdowns and 469 yards of offense. So that being said what do we do in this situation what do we do because right now Tua Tagovailoa is leading the NFL in passing yards
1: what do we do I think what we have to do, quarterback situation, because
0: a lot of people talk about, a lot of people talk about uh, historically good, like quarterback battles or just one good quarterback on one team, right? One Heisman, you know, trophy type of guy, Johnny Mansell, Cam Newton. You know all these different guys. They're all amazing. They all played in they all played in college and they were really good. Trevor Lawrence and everybody. They're all great. Okay, but the Alabama quarterbacks are on the verge of taking over the NFL. As it stands after week two, the three starting quarterbacks in the NFL that all played at Alabama in the same quarterback room at one time are five and one in six games. Jalen Hurts is undefeated. Tua is undefeated. Mac Jones is 500. It's time to put a little bit more respect on the Alabama quarterback development program, whatever they got going on down there. Because, by the way, starting next year, there's going to be four quarterbacks in the NFL that played at Alabama and started for Alabama. Because Bryce Young's coming up, Heisman Trophy winner, potentially back-to-back. And he's going to go in the top five picks of the NFL draft. So heads up. Alabama's becoming one of the quarterback realms. Alabama's becoming not just a powerhouse for defensive producers and receivers and running backs and DBs
1: and defensive linemen and linebackers, but now Alabama's pumping out NFL-caliber quarterbacks. That Alabama quarterback room may turn out to be one of the greatest quarterback rooms in the history
0: of college football as we know it, when it's all said and done. When it's all said and done, that photograph of that Alabama quarterback room might go down as the greatest single-assembled first, second, and third-string quarterbacks in the history of college football because of how those guys turned out in the NFL. Jalen Hurts has not lost a game. Tua hasn't lost a game. Mac Jones is 1-1. and And Mac Jones is probably the worst of the three. But all three of those guys prove a major point. And that point is they win at some capacity. So it's time to put a, bit of, it's time to put a little bit more respect on the Alabama quarterback machine that is in Tuscaloosa. and Because these three aren't the only ones that are going to come. Bryce Young is r- hot on the tail. Bryce Young is hot in the tail of these three guys going to be in the NFL next year, making a huge impact on a good team.
1: Just saying. Not a good team. Bryce Young is going to be hot on their tails, making an impact on a team
0: that's going to take him in the first five picks. That's the truth. Okay? College football? Well, actually, let me give you my top five in the NFL right now. Okay, top five teams if we go by standings just in the NFL. Okay. I think the Bills are the best team.
1: I, Yeah, I don't think it's close. I think the power rankings
0: in the NFL going in the top five from five to one. Okay, I think the Dolphins are the fifth best team in the NFL. I think it's, I think Tua has carved them up. And they've proven that they can score with anybody. Number four, I got the Bucks. It's Tom Brady. They're two and zero. They're gonna find ways to win football games. Tom Brady just does it. He just wins. Number three, I got Kansas City. Chiefs are two and zero. Mahomes is a freak. Barely edged out the Chargers last week. That being said, they're still a great team, and they're the third-best team in the NFL. The number two best team in the NFL is the Philadelphia Eagles, 100%. The Eagles are loaded on offense, absolutely loaded, weapons all over the place. Jalen Hurts is an absolute animal, winner, and their defense is amazing. Eagles are a great football team this year. I have them at two. And number one, Buffalo Bills. That's not going to surprise anybody, but the Bills are far and away the best team in the NFL. It's not really a debate. Josh Allen is so good. Gosh, man, the Bills are amazing. So, Dolphins, Bucks, Chiefs, Eagles, Bills in that order. College football like we said, not as much uh action. There's a little bit of action but not as much. We only had I think 3, two or three top 25 matchups. Texas A&M at 24 beat number 13
1: Miami. Uh, Later in the day, let's see.
0: Oh yeah, earlier in the day, Oregon beat Auburn. Number 25, Oregon beat 12, Auburn. Oh my gosh, I just read Auburn, and I misspelled completely. Number 25, Oregon beat number 12, BYU. Number 25, Oregon, 12, BYU. Number 24, Texas A&M beat number 13, Miami. So there'll be some shakeups. Uh, it's all said and done. You know, it's a bounce back win, I guess, for Texas A&M. But I, I don't particularly care. The rest of these games were not close. They weren't good. Uh, a bunch of really good teams against a bunch of really bad teams. This week four coming up here is conference schedule. So it's going to be exciting. Okay, you got Wake Forest and Clemson, top twenty five matchup. You got Florida and Tennessee, top twenty five matchup. You got Arkansas, Texas A&M, t- top twenty five matchup. Uh, it's gonna be a good. It's gonna be a good overall slate. A good overall slate. I mean, they, Alabama. I, well, I was gonna say they play Vanderbilt, but they're forty and a half point favorites. Um, yeah, it'll be a good. It'll be a good slate. It'll be a good slate for them. For everybody. So excited for that. In that Cardinals, by the way, in that Cardinals game, I wanted to touch on that. That's that situation quickly. So the Cardinals beat the Raiders in overtime, and I mentioned that Hunter Renfro got the ball for the Raiders and fumbled, and the Cardinals scooped it up and scored for a touchdown, okay? On that play, Byron Murphy for the Arizona Cardinals picked the ball up, okay? And let me just say this. Let me just say this. When are football players going to learn to just hold onto the ball when they go across the goal line? Byron Murphy almost single-handedly had one of the greatest. uh, It's not even the greatest. Byron Murphy uh, on the Cardinals almost had one of the worst gaffes in the history of the NFL. He scoops up a Hunter Renfro fumble in overtime is taking it the other way, leading the Arizona Cardinals to a victory. He crosses the goal line with the football and they win. But for some reason, Byron Murphy decides, I want to fire this ball away in celebration, which is fine. But he does so, like, as he's
1: crossing the goal line, and it's almost a fumble. It's almost a fumble. Hold on to the ball. This has happened a number of times. It's not like it's happened once or
0: twice in the history of football. And then it like people learn and it's like it never happens again. It happens, I feel like, almost once a year. Where there's like one dude, one guy, untouched, going into the end zone, and then everybody goes, Whoa, hold on. Did he drop or throw the ball before he crossed the goal line? And I'd like to sit here and say. Coaches or people, why aren't we emphasizing this more? It shouldn't even be something that needs to be talked about. But Byron Murphy, thankfully, didn't throw it before the goal line, and the Cardinals won the game. But it's happened before, and the point is, hold on to the ball, run through the back of the end zone, and then do whatever you want with the football. Make out with it. Eat it. Shove it in your ass. I don't care. Just hold on to it as you go across the goal line,
1: and then do whatever you want with it. Do whatever you want with it, okay? Hold on to the football. Hold on to it. The other just mind-blowing,
0: mind-blowing situation in football this year, Tennessee wide receiver Jimmy Callaway gets ejected for punching an Akron player in the head repeatedly, like just wailing on his head. Regardless of the context or what that guy said to him or anything else that's going on. How in 2022 do we still not know why do we, do we not, how how in 2022 do we not recognize that punching a guy with a helmet on is just about the dumbest fucking thing you can do? How, how have we not recognized this by now? What is the best case scenario when you are punching a guy wearing a helmet? What's the best case scenario? You slightly disorient him for like 1 millisecond until the guy realizes, "Oh, he's punching me, but it doesn't hurt because I'm wearing a helmet that is a protective headgear
1: designed to protect me from blunt force." That's best case scenario is you
0: surprise him more than anything. Worst case scenario You get ejected. And, by the way, you probably, probably mess up your hands just as much as you messed up anything on that guy's head. I can't, I can't believe we're in 2022 and and there's still guys that are punching other people with helmets on. I mean, dude, at the very minimum, you got to get into a scrap, pull the helmet off, then try to do some damage. Unreal, man. It's time, it's time to just lock in just once, just lock it in. Just dial it in. Jimmy Calloway, I hope it was worth it. Because, by the way, he's suspended, got ejected from that game, and it's suspended for the first half of the next game that, that Tennessee plays against Florida, top 25 game. Congrats, Jimmy Calloway. Hope it
1: was worth it, my friend. Okay? The video circulating
0: on the internet that's getting the most attention, I think, right now. It's not the most
1: attention. It's getting a lot of attention, but the pay-per-view fight that people decided to
0: not tune in as to not tune into as much because it's not getting the coverage is Bryson DeChambeau versus a Spectator's guard rope. I I mean I honestly I think I think Bryson DeChambeau has to go into the category of Bryson DeChambeau has got to be in the conversation in the United States as most hated athlete universally. I mean, he is such a pussy. He gets hit in the eye with a rope walking through the course on the live golf tour. The guy went down like he got shot by a nine millimeter in the eye.
1: Oh, f- what the fuck, guys? Oh, fuck. I can't fucking see it. Am I fucking right? Dude.
0: Relax. Or here's an idea. Equipping such a prima donna pussy and just lift it up yourself. <laughs> Holy shit. That video just solidifies how much, how easily dislikable Bryson DeSambo is. I mean, he is just so,
1: such a tool. And so lame. Grow up. I, I Listen, I've had things in my eye before too, Bryson. But luckily, I I got through it, man.
0: It's going to be okay. Going to make it through. I mean, we're sitting here on, on the weekend where uh, grown men are running into other grown men at full speed and just... with the intention of causing as much physical harm as possible, breaking bones, tearing ligaments, and the guys just pop right back up. And you get swiped in the eye with a guard rope? Come on, Bryson. Come on, man. If you don't want to be hated so much, then just don't be like that. Don't be that way. It's so fucking cringe, dude. Ugh. So hard to see. So hard to watch. Nobody watches Live Golf anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But nevertheless, nevertheless, Bryson, just stop being such a fucking pussy, bro. Just stop, okay. Moving on to baseball, okay, and we won't we won't spend too much more time on it. But I love I love when the ESPN ads just play. By the way, it's my it's just my favorite thing. It's my favorite. They just autoplay. Um. That being said, guys, we we'll get into some baseball and we'll call it a day because there's two different things to talk about. Number 1, baseball playoffs, all right? Just to set the stage and we'll probably be talking about this on our baseball show uh in on uh Between the Stitches, okay? But baseball playoffs are they're starting to get set. I mean, nobody's clinched. I think the Dodgers actually clinched the division technically. Um If we go to the standings, I'm on MLB.com. Clinched playoff birth is marked with an X. Division is a Y. So as of right now, the Astros have clinched a playoff birth. The Mets have clinched. A, no, no the, the the Mets have clinched a playoff berth. The Astros and the Dodgers have clinched divisions already. The uh. The Cardinals are going to win the American League. Oh, my gosh. The Cardinals are going to win the National League Central. The Yankees will probably win the American League East, if I had to guess. And the rest of these teams, I mean, it it kind of depends where it'll pan out. But the playoffs are starting to get set right now, okay? A lot of these teams are... 15, 16, 14 games away from the end of the season. So baseball playoffs are closing in, and I just want to say, man, I'm so excited for it. I love the playoffs, not just if the Padres get in as a Padres fan, but just overall, man. I think uh, baseball playoffs is super exciting. A lot of people don't really watch a ton of regular season baseball, and I can understand it. I can understand it. I know it's boring, but baseball playoffs in my opinion, are maybe, maybe the best in, in sports. Again, that's a biased opinion. I think playoffs in general are just amazing, amazing. Can't wait to watch the playoffs. The last thing we're going to talk about, man. Is Albert Pujols. Okay. Because he's a freak. What Albert Pujols is doing and has done will never, ever, ever be matched again in the history of baseball. Period. Ever, 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 ever. There will never, ever, ever be a guy that gets 3,000 hits and hits 700 home runs. It will never happen again in the history of baseball. Ever. Should I say ever one more time? Ever. It will never happen again. The next closest home run leader that's still active is Giancarlo Stanton with 373 homers. Albert Pujols is going to finish with, fingers crossed, 700. Giancarlo Stanton at 32 would have to hit another 330 homers to get to 700. Mike Trout, 346, and he's at 30 years old. Trout would have to hit another 350 homers, okay? If you average that out at Trout with age 30, let's say he plays till he's 40, he's got to hit 35 home runs every single year for the next 10 years. Carlos then, like I said, he needs 300, uh, 330 homers. He's already 32. So, in 8 years he's got to hit 330 homers. That's about 40 homers a year every year for the next 8 years. It'll never happen. It will never happen, guys. I don't I
1: I, I don't know what else to say. It'll never happen. So take it in, enjoy it, and
0: please if anything just try your best to to wrap your head around The fact that Albert Pujols is arguably the greatest right-handed hitter in the history of the sport. And what he is accomplishing right now in these last few weeks and last months of his professional career are things and milestones reached that we will absolutely never come across again. No matter how old he is or what he's done, what he hasn't done, what team he's on, his career accolades are absolutely ungodly and he is doing things that we'll never see in the history of the sport and that's something to be recognized and that's something that I hope everybody can appreciate when they watch Albert Pujols finish off his career here with the Cardinals and with that being said that's it guys that's it that's all we got to talk about just a just a quick 40 <laughs> just a quick 41 minute episode no but seriously guys it was uh it was a fun week And it's going to be more fun weeks coming up. Like I said, we got the end of the baseball season, football season, conference play in the uh, college football, NFL games starting to unfold, real players starting to show themselves. So it's exciting. I'm fired up about it. I love it. I can't get enough of it. Let's try to get some more baseball action too, especially with uh, Between the Stitches. Haven't really put out some episodes with that as often. But nevertheless, guys, I appreciate you guys tuning in. I really do. It means a lot. Check us out on social media. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. We got our shorts up on YouTube. We got regular videos up on YouTube. So thank you guys for watching. And otherwise, we'll catch you guys on episode 39 of the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. My name is Ryan. Thank you guys for tuning in as usual. Thanks for listening to the Phenomenal Fan
1: Podcast. Want more? Follow us on social media and subscribe to Patreon for exclusive content.